Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes, Kevin Foote on the game. We are broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. Simulcasts on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. Great day to get in. Lately, later in the week, we've been having lots of interviews. I'm sure we'll, that'll pretty much be the case again this week. So other than our friend Bobby Nova at 1035 open... The game hotline will be open. So if you want to call in, talk about NCAA tournament basketball, men or women, or um, you know, all college baseball, softball, all the things going on right now, NBA, uh, it's getting interesting again from a Pelicans perspective because they're winning and won again last night. And so any of the NFL issues that are going on, certainly feel free. This is a great day to call in and let us know what you think. All right. Is today, I should have done this before, but it hit me as I was kind of coming into the building. Is today a month from the NFL draft? Like exactly a month, or am I wrong on that? So, But it's around a month. Like it's really, it seems so far away from us for so long, but it's like getting closer. Yesterday was a month. Today oh, yesterday is. was a month. It starts on April 27th, Thursday. Okay, I was thinking it started on the 28th, so I was incorrect. It's um, it's uh, it's time, and so we'll do um, some of that. I, I think you got to start with with step number one, and and we'll we've talked about it, but we'll we'll talk more about it um, later later in the show. I I didn't do it on purpose. It just kind of happened a little bit last night. I got a chance to see a few minutes of the Virginia Tech game. And, it, you know, it, it's almost unfair to do because it's 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 almost stupid to do to watch like three or four minutes of a team because you draw a conclusion that you've never seen play before because you draw a conclusion and it's probably – there's a very good chance it's a completely unfair conclusion, you know. So – just about anybody, if you watch three or four minutes and they're not, and they weren't playing bad, I just, I don't know. I They didn't, I don't know that they're going to, they're going to beat LSU. I, I just don't see it just in the few minutes. But again, it was a very small sample size. Did you see any of that game? Yeah, I saw a bit. I mean, they, they, they hit some shots down the stretch and kind of put it out of reach. So that was, you know, that was impressive that they did that. But yeah, I mean, it wasn't like a. But again, it, if someone who was a Virginia Tech fan watched a few minutes of the LSU game the other day, they're probably like, "We're gonna we're gonna roll this team." Because remember, LSU couldn't do anything offensively. So that's a good point you make, and and that is fair that, about watching a team a little bit. But um, I do think the more intriguing semifinal is what Caitlin Clark's gonna do against South Carolina, and you'll hear that. You know, I'm sure you'll hear a lot about that game coming in. But um, we said it when the bracket came out. LSU was set up with a pretty decent draw. They didn't have to play any of the teams that, you know, the South Carolina being on the other side was a big factor. 
So, yeah, I mean, they're in good position. Virginia Tech is not unbeatable. They are one seed for a reason. They're very good. I think they're probably a more complete team than LSU is because um, we've talked about some of the shortcomings that the Tigers have. But um, certainly not a game that they don't have a chance in. They're, they're going to be right there. And I, I haven't seen any type of spread. I mean, they but do I have, They did have a close. big girl, and she was doing some things, but I just don't know if they're physical enough. But anyway, well, I haven't seen enough to even comment much further than that on, on, on them. But um, – you know, again, I understand offense is offense and defense is defense. I just, I, I, I some people are just adverse to defensive, at, you know, ball at, at a lot of levels. You know, that is the one thing about baseball. I know a lot of people don't really have the patience for baseball. I don't have the patience for football. I like to say. But the one thing about baseball that's unique is the it's the only sport well, I guess at times, you know, you have the Lawrence Taylors of the world. But it's the only sport where some of the biggest stars in the sports are actually on defense. Like pitchers are stars. Really almost as much or close to as much in the history of the game as hitters are. Pitchers are are stars. And they're on the defensive side. So you you, you um there's a little more glamour to playing defense in, um, in the in, in in baseball. I got a chance to see a little bit last night of the Astros AAA game. It's it's kind of weird playing yourself. They played the um, Sugarland Space Cowboys. They call them. Man, they rave about the uniforms. I think they're ugly. They rave about the mascot. I, the logo was just, what? Like, not a big fan of that. But anyway, um, and it seems like from yesterday's conversation that we're going to be okay watching the Astros like we normally have. You got to understand, this was a major concern. Like, I, I don't like being blindsided oh, the week of this regular season started. And I've been hearing about all these things, but it seems like we're going to be okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're definitely going to be okay for now. But, I mean, you know, if, if, if any of these developments take place during the season, I guess we'll have to adjust at that point. Because unless but. they're lying, they're saying you're going to be able to see all the games right yeah. here. I mean, yeah. I heard them say it. And, again, even if they do, if there is some sort of purchase or something, I, I don't, you know, I guess they could theoretically be changing the availabilities, but I don't know if that would happen within the season. I don't think they'd want to do that if they could avoid it at all at any, you know, in any possible way. Um, Jose Abreu is the first time because I haven't been watching spring training in the in the inning or so that I've I've seen a few innings here and there by accident almost uh, earlier this year when they were in Florida, but I never saw Jose Abreu. Man, he is just he is a beast. He is huge. I mean, huge. Now he did strike out with a run on thirty one out, which I don't plan on him doing very often. Last night. But, um, man, he's just... Well, he might, because strikeouts have kind of always been part of his game, but... But he's good at driving in runs. Yeah, well, I took a look at the spring training stat board, which is certainly possibly a waste of time, but a lot of guys are hitting well. Uh, a lot of guys are swinging the bat well in spring for the Astros. Jeremy Pena swung it very well. Jake Myers had a decent spring. Like, I was, I was encouraged looking through it at some of the things that guys have done, and I know it's spring and it doesn't matter all that much, but... 
Um, they they had some guys that uh, that they're going to need something from early on that seem to be playing pretty well right now. So that hopefully bodes well for them moving forward. It man, if I just need him to, even if he just duplicates what he did last year, I don't need an MVP season from him. If he could just do what he did last year, it, it it's going to be good. El Perro, I saw you know he was swinging, looking good. So that 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 part is good, and um, you know, well, the rest of it will will take care of itself. Altuve, you know, obviously they miss him; he's not there. He's the leader of the team, all that. But uh, I I think that will take care of itself as well. All right, so I understand that the Pelicans beat a bad basketball team last night. My question, though, is. I, I did get to hear um, the kind of r- y'all rundown a little while ago about the of the schedule. Do you really think Memphis is going to have something to play for? Possibly not. I, I'm um, thinking Memphis. Now, Memphis is one of these teams that, um, you know, they're pretty emotional. And they they're they kind of they're they're like a team that probably cares about rivalries more than other teams because they're an emotional I like to stick it in your face kind of a team, but I don't think Memphis that game's going to matter for Memphis because they're they're not going to catch the Nuggets unless some weird collapse takes place, and probably the the Kings aren't going to catch them unless a collapse takes place. So I really think there's there's a chance that that game's not going to mean anything to them. Yeah, that's possible. It, it it does come down to how the next three or four games go for both them and Denver. I think the door's open to the idea of them catching Denver just because Denver hasn't been as good in the past stretch. But the other thing is, Jaw just came back, and so Memphis is still trying to get him, re, you know, reacclimated. So they might still that's be a playing fair point. their guys. Yeah, that's a good but, point. Yeah, but yeah, there's a chance that that one, and again, the Knicks one at the end as well, and there's a couple other in there where. You know, the teams that aren't in danger of missing the play-in tournament, you know, even the Denver game. Now, it, that one's, you know, just it's the next game. So Denver still is going, is trying to lock up the one seed. But they're not like, like tonight's game, Golden State's got to play with urgency. They're they're desperately trying to get to the sixth seed to avoid the play-in tournament. So that's, you're going to get their best shot. But there are some teams where you're going to be the team with more to play for than they are. So hopefully that helps you. But Sometimes it doesn't. That's what the difference with the Pelicans, though, in these last five games is they finally, like last night, they're playing a bad Portland team, but they looked like they were playing a bad Portland team. They just, I mean, they're up by 20 at the end of the first quarter. They didn't make it a, you know, a conversation. They didn't let some of these young guys get hot against them the way they did the Rockets the first time they played them. So I've been impressed with the fact that they've, they've looked more focused. They look like, okay, we're playing a bad team. Let's put them away early and not have to worry about things. And they're finally doing that. Do you, th- I mean, is it even possible, like, I, I hate the word urgency in the middle of a sports season. Because, yeah. like, were they really not playing with urgency eight games ago? It looked like it. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it really like, looked like they weren't. How can you do that? I understand you're going to have lulls in a season. As a baseball fan, you definitely have lulls on a 162-game season. But, like, I don't know. I mean, how can you not be playing with urgency? Well, I, I- it's like Dennis Allen. Oh, we're gonna play with urgency. Yeah, you know, no, it's like I, what? I what have quote, you been yeah. doing? Like, <laughs> let's start that at the beginning of the season. Well, in the NFL too, it's 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 especially different because you know, urgency starts week one in, in the NFL. I do think in the NBA it's a little different because of 
you know, it's it is a grind a bit with the with the number of games, and and I think sometimes players get caught in a in going through the motions, so to speak, you know, and just this is another game, another city, another night, and then I I I, I mean, it does look like this Pelicans team about two weeks ago looked up at the schedule and said. Man, we're running out of time. We maybe yeah. got to do things, but yeah. yeah, no, it doesn't make oh. sense why they didn't do that two weeks before that or or any time before. It's kind of like thing that drives me crazy if the if the team I'm pulling for, really the Saints, are like fall behind 17 points early, and we're huddling it up and snapping the ball with two seconds to go on the clock, and everybody's lollygagging to the huddle and lollygagging back, and I'm like, um, can we hurry up here? Can we get a little pep in our step? And then they make a comeback, and then, oh, they're running around all frantic, you know, in the last two minutes. Well, where was that two quarters ago? If you would have done something two quarters ago, we wouldn't be so frantic right now. That's what I'm thinking as I'm watching the game. I That's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. God, we need a little more focus. Need a little more focus throughout. All right. We'll take a timeout. Again, the game hotline is open. 706-0111 for most of the day. We'll shift gears to the NFL draft next. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Uh, good morning, guys. Before you all go into the NFL draft, I want to touch on the Pelican situation you all were just describing, if that's okay. Okay. Yeah, uh, the reason they didn't appear to have a sense of urgency is really um, – comes down to Brandon Ingram. He always takes two to three games, start playing well after he comes back from injury, and he's been in and out of the lineup several times this year, including you know missing 30 games from November to January. Even then, he takes him four or five games to come back. So now that he's completely healthy and they're running the offense through him, things are different. If he gets injured again, say tonight or whatever, and he has to skip a couple of games. I guarantee you, he'll play poorly the first two to three games after that. Of course, by that time, the season will be over. That's really all it is. Look at that guy. But look at his games. When he comes back from injury, it takes him three to four games to play well. Now, the other thing they've done is the coaches have done a little things different where they're not letting him and CJ just try to go one-on-one all the time. They're looking to pass the ball more. And um, you know, when Murphy hit three, ten, three points in, and I was an example of that. But it's really that simple. It's just uh, – I don't know what that is, but uh, I don't know if you noticed that, Dawson, but, you know, when he – Misses a few games. It takes a while to get back. And I uh, hope that if Zion comes back, it's not going to take him a few games. But it might. Actually, when he comes back and it messes up the rotation, it may not be as good a thing as you think for a while. But hopefully he can do that before they get into the playoffs. So what do you think about that theory? Well, it makes sense. Now, don't you think, though, I guess, well, I don't know. Like, Ingram's more of a shooter. So I could see it taking a little bit of time for your shooting touch to come back. But uh, I, I describe... 
Zion is a bull in a china shop. I mean, I would think it would take a bull in a china shop a little time to come back, too. Yeah, you're right. That's what that is a concern of mine. Plus, the rotations. We watch basketball enough. You know, when the, you got a stead rotation, this is a, your job, your role. Yes. It changes. Like, is, Mur- is Murphy going to stay in the starting lineup when Zion comes back? Personally, I would just because they need the floor spacer for their offense. And when their offense plays well, they're better on defense. And I'll bring Jones off the bench and still play him 30 minutes a game. But uh, all of those are interesting questions to have. And people have said there's no difference between this team this year and last year. I disagree. Last year's team was 36 and 46. It got hot at the end. This year's team, even with all their injuries, has a winning record right now. So I think they have made a little progress. And it would be interesting to see if it ever happens. And being um, from New Orleans, it likely never happens that they can have a season where both B.I. And, and Zion play 60 games and play 50 together. What would, what would the world come to if that happens? It might hell might freeze. But, um, yeah. yeah, I think you're right about Zion. He could take him a while, too. And Ingram's the thing is, he moves slower on defense when he comes back from injury as well. He's doing okay there now. And he's a, I call him the mid-range king. It takes a while for that to get in rhythm as well. Okay. Anyway, that's, that's my thoughts. I'll let you get on. The All right. Th- thank, thank you. you. No, um, you know, we talked about it the other day when the game that LeBron came back. You know, while LeBron was out, Anthony, Anthony Davis was playing great. And then LeBron comes back and he takes eight shots. So, yeah, the whole – a player coming back can be good, but like to Mike's point, it can really mess up the rotation. I remember during the Cajun season, I was saying, you know, it's great when Kobe comes back. It's great that he's going to be back, but you, how is he going to fit in? Like at that time, Greg was playing great. And then, you know, it obviously worked out where Greg, um, you know, wasn't healthy at the end. All right. So before we get to what I want to talk about uh, with the draft, which is Ed Rushers, um, Brian Edwards was signed, and we I don't even know if we mentioned that yesterday, but um, to me, he's like, he's Traquan Smith. And so they, they just have to, you know, obviously Derek Carr, I would think they went to Derek Carr and asked him about Brian Edwards because they were teammates, and he must have liked him and felt comfortable with him and gave the okay for that. I would this think. is footnotes on the um, game. 1037. And so I just think he's Traquan Smith. Not a great player. Got a little size. And you just gotta hope somehow he catches balls when you really need him. And, you know, I don't think he's a great player, but he does have size. I mean, he's 6'3, 215. Again, he he has what you want size and he has some experience his second year uh he had 34 catches for 571 yards and three touchdowns like Traquan Smith kind of a season I mean he's I think he's Traquan Smith you just have to hope he catches the balls when the Saints need him to catch yeah he's I think he's I I like that comparison I think he's more talented than Traquan Smith is the uh, but the thing with Traquan is the, I, the Saints got to a level where they were pretty comfortable with him, I guess, and that's why they stuck around with him so long because they knew he could run block and they knew he knew where to be, uh, although sometimes it certainly seemed like he didn't know where what he was doing. Um, but, yeah, Brian Edwards, and I talked about it on RP3, like he had this season where they were talking about the next step, and it felt like he was a crucial part of what they were doing and they really liked him, and then they brought in rugs and they brought in you know uh, a different kind of look on offense and they brought in a new head coach, and Josh McDaniels just traded him away and kind of just phased him out. So it's interesting to see. Now, he goes to Atlanta, it doesn't work out, but like there was some momentum before that with that 21 season for Brian Edwards. And so 
you wonder what happened and why it didn't work in Atlanta because they certainly needed receiver help. Now, they didn't get great quarterback play, so maybe that's part of it. Um, but I, I think there's some untapped potential here. Does he? Does he? Does it bring it out of him here? I don't know, but I like it's a low risk, high reward signing. There's no real. Uh, now we'll see the number. We didn't know the numbers yet, but I imagine they didn't spend too much on him. What I don't know about him is can he block like Traquan? And that's that's the yeah, thing. I don't know. But anyway, it, it, it's again, it's filling holes. Like a lot of these signings, in and of themselves, aren't great signings. It's just that. If you if you if you sign three safeties and one of them hit, then you're good. I mean that's just kind of the way I looked at it. They've signed a lot of safeties and they needed it. So seems like lately, you know, other than the running back position, that what I think is a need and what the Saints think is a need kind of goes together. Except for the running back, I don't know why that took so long. I just I just don't understand. It. All right. Um. Edge rushers. We, we've talked a lot about it, but we haven't really gotten into it. When you look at, like, again, there's difference of opinion, but when you look at the top 8 to 10 edge rushers in the draft that most people are commenting on, uh, the, there's to me there's one that just – obviously, uh, you know, I'm not talking about – forget about the top three guys. I mean – you know, the guy from Texas Tech is going to go in the top 10. Will Anderson, top 10. Um, you know, and probably Murphy, top 10 or 12. So I'm not even looking at those. Saints are not trading up for an edge rusher. And and it, it doesn't do any good to even discuss those guys. I have seen one mock draft that has Murphy dropping, but I um, I don't really – expect that to happen so I'm looking at everyone else and out of the next like eight to ten guys on most people's rankings the one that sticks out if the Saints are doing what the hint is that they're going to do is going smaller quicker not having the old school defensive end Cam Jordan kind of defensive end but have a smaller quicker guy the one guy that that sticks out is Nolan Smith. Now I've seen Nolan Smith picked. I've seen the Saint people mocking that the Saints will pick Nolan Smith, and then I've seen Nolan Smith go as high as nine, ten, eleven range. Um, but the reason why Nolan Smith from Georgia sticks out is his forty time is way higher than all these guys. Like some of these guys starting forty times are like four seven. Nolan Smith ran a 4-3-9. Now, again, he's a smaller guy. He's 6'2", 238. And so, you know, I really think Nolan Smith's not going to be there. I really think that. And now, if he is, again, they they signed the new defensive line coach as Georgia Roots. Um, then you've got, B.J. Ojolari, I've seen people predict that the Saints are going to get him either in the first or the second round. He's not as fast, a little bit bigger than Smith, but essentially the same size. Um, You know, I don't know about all that Saints and LSU stuff. I I don't even think about all that stuff. But um, Will McDonald, Iowa State, rangier, taller rangier, 6'3", 239. 
but runs a 4-6. Now, we have this guy whose name I'm not even going to begin to pronounce. He's from Northwestern. He's 6'1", 282, runs a 4-4, faster but shorter. Um, He sounds maybe more like a second round could maybe. And then Lucas Van Ness, who I've seen picked as high as, you know, eight or nine. Like, what? I I don't think that's going to happen. He's 6'5", 272, but to me, and runs a 4-5. To me, he's more of not Cam Jordan, but closer to that. And then we we, we brought up Keon White, who's 6'5", 286. That that doesn't fit the bill of smaller. By the way, Keon White, I, I found out, is... Too many, too many similarities to Davenport. He was a former. He play, He started his college career as a tight end at ODU, and then and then went to Georgia Tech and became this pass rusher. I don't trust him. The other guy is Felix. I don't know how to put uh, Uzuma Anu Anu Dyke Uzuma something like that. Um, now he was the Big Twelve Player of the Year, six three two fifty five. So not. 255 is kind of in the middle. It's not 240-ish, smaller like Smith, but it's not, you know, 286 like Keon White. Um, That might be an option out of Kansas State. And again, we're talking probably first round, what most of us are thinking, but it could be the second round too. Like some of these guys that I just mentioned are going to be there at 41. Not, you know, not most of them, but I would think as many as three or four or five could be there at 41. Not everyone is going to pick one of these edge rushers. The problem is if it's not one of the smaller, quicker guys, should they take him? That's my question. Like, I don't know that I want him to take an edge rusher unless they're really going to get one of these smaller, quicker guys more in the Nolan Smith camp. Because if not, are you really improving yourself? You say, well, because I'm thinking you already have that. Now, Granderson's a little smaller, but um, you already have Passon. You, you re-signed him. Um, you still, remember, you still have Peyton Turner. Now, you may not like him, and I don't know what they think of him still, but you still have Peyton Turner. You still have Granderson, and you still have Cam. So you have four defensive end-type guys already. You're going to draft. Now, I'm not saying you can't improve, but you're going to draft another one? I, I, I don't see that happening. So unless, like, I don't see, like, a guy like Keon White, I don't see them draft. To me, that wouldn't do any good. So the, unless they can find one of these smaller speed pass rushers on the edge, I think a lot of these other pass rushers are, should not be, and I don't think they're going to be in, in in their plans. So, again, it, it, what I'm saying is all these quote-unquote edge rushers I don't think are going to fit into what the Saints are looking for. Because in the past, I've always dismissed the smaller edge rushers. I didn't even think about them because that was never what the Saints did. But if you buy, if we're buying that there's a little bit of a change in philosophy here, Evidenced by a new defensive line coach, and maybe that maybe that you know there, there's a stretch there. We'll find that out in time. 
Uh, I just think if when you talk about Saints draft analysis, you have to crawl. You have to okay. What are they going to pick an edge rusher? And if not, you know who knows where they're going to go after that. But I think that's the number one question we've got to answer. And I got to tell you, I don't. I just don't know that a lot of the guys that we just rattled off, you know, kind of fit the Saints mold. So we'll see how that plays out. We'll take a timeout. Come back with more. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Want to remind you, RP3 and Company will be broadcasting live from downtown Dallas this Friday for the Women's Final Four. RP3's road trip to Dallas presented by Bailey Cigar Room. So we'll see what happens. Uh, LSU men or women, neither one of them has ever made it to the final. So we'll see if that happens this weekend. RP3 will take you, give you all the details from Dallas. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. We talked about the the edge rusher position as it relates to the Saints, and I, I, I don't – I mean, I have more information when you look up all that stuff, but I don't the, – the only clarity I get is I, I don't think there's I, – I just – Unless Nolan Smith falls some kind of way, I just don't really see it happening, especially in the first round, maybe in the second round. But other than Nolan Smith, who I kind of think because of his burst, I I, I kind of think he's going to be gone. Uh, but other than him, I, I just I don't see it happening, which if you're trying to guess, and again, my, my whole purpose here is I don't want to be blindsided. And I'm trying to figure out, I'm trying to think like I think the Saints are going to be thinking. So we don't have any more, you know, Peyton Turners or Chris Naoli draft picks. I want to at least say, well, we discussed that guy. We thought maybe or we thought not, but at least discuss him. All right. The other thing. Obviously, that's been going on on this show for quite a while. If actually, we've been talking about it on this show maybe longer than most of the national narrative people have been talking about it, and that's the Lamar Jackson situation. Because I am in, incredibly sensitive to not to that issue. In that, you know, I went through the Michael Vick era. I went through the Cam Newton era. They were different, but they were st- neither one of them was a whole lot of fun to try to tackle. And I do not want Lamar Jackson to come into Saints division. So the latest the latest team that's given me some hope is the Colts, if you believe the rumors. But what I don't get is why wouldn't the Titans? Why wouldn't the Titans go after Lamar Jackson? unless they just don't want to put out the money and deal with that. I mean, they, they've always been a line of scrimmage, like to run the football team. So their offensive philosophy 
to me, wouldn't have to be changed nearly as much as a lot of other teams. So I, I think the Titans, you know, look, I, I'm worried that he's going to the Falcons. You know that. Um, but I think the Titans make more sense than what people have mentioned. So I, I know the Colts have been looking for a quarterback. I, look, I would love for him to go to the I'm Titans, Colts, whatever it takes. Just keep them out of the NFC South. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Floyd. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Hey, speaking of the uh, edge rushers, I, I know you mentioned B.J. Ojolari. Uh The one question I have is, would you be against uh, if that small, quicker type of edge rusher is not there, would you be against maybe drafting a Michael Mayer tight end first round and then trying to get maybe a, a – second, third tierish, smaller, quicker defensive end? I mean, I sir, I would I won't be angry if that happens. My, my, again, if they really think that Mayor can become, you know, an elite. Again, I, I, I don't need a tight end that's good. Only way I draft a tight end is if I really think he can be a no, I'm not saying as good as Travis Kelsey, but that kind or Mark Andrews kind of a tight end. And the reason why and the reason why I'm against drafting tight ends early is not that dissimilar to why I don't want quarterbacks early. Tight end is a tough position. Very few rookie tight ends ever do anything in the NFL. And my patience is wearing thin after the last two seasons and all the injuries and all the junk that we've had to put up with. And so I'm, I love the tight end. I, uh, I, I'm a safety tight end guy from way back. But it just worries, unless they think you can be an elite, elite pass receiver, I don't want to pick it because tight ends normally take two or three years before they reach their you know their ceiling. And another thing that should worry you, and I'm sorry about that, is he is an Irish alum. He is Notre Dame, absolutely. Notre Dame, Penn State, and Michigan have been on the list for a long, long time. You're absolutely correct. I agree. All right, thank you for the call. Uh, you know, Hodgkins, uh, Wait, do uh, I? He, thank you. Have a good one. Okay, Bye. thanks. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I think he faded out. I, he was talking, and I didn't know. Anyway, I uh, appreciate the call. Thank you. Um, I... Um, I know that Dawson doesn't believe in that, but no, I it very. It's, it, I've been doing this for too long. It's very few exceptions. Penn State, Bruce Clark is the only, and he wasn't a draft pick. He was a free agent acquisition. Notre Dame. I mean, has there ever been an exception? I, I, Michigan. Um, the center that they signed in free agency wasn't a draft pick, but they they have a they had a center that went to Michigan on the Super Bowl team, and so you know they've they've been like one good player that have played, but but for the most part, especially in the draft, Michigan, Penn State, Notre Dame, just stay away. Like you know they draft. You remember Courtney Watson? Drafted Courtney Watson. Boy, he's going to be a steal from Notre Dame. Linebacker, awful, awful. And look, I'm hoping Cesar Ruiz turns out to be, and he showed some promise last year. But, again, Cesar Ruiz is another one. I, he, 
I'm supporting him. He showed progress last year. I'm hoping that it works out. But Michigan, Notre Dame, and Penn State, they they, they were the original three. of When I first started talking about that like 30 years ago, they were on the original list. That, that is the original list. You just stay away from those people. Stay away. So that's a good point that Craig made. Uh, again, I love tight end, but, man, it takes him too long. I, I just – I would be intrigued and yet concerned if they drafted him. But I really think the Lions are going to pick him before the Saints pick. I don't think there's any way he gets to the Saints mayor. I think the Lions yeah. are going to pick him. Yeah, he's he's special, though. That's that's the difference for me. He's the guy I would have circled if they're going to take a tight end. I know there's a couple that people really like in this draft. Some people like Kincaid. Yeah, I think Mayer's a more complete player. I mean, if you want to go later to Will Mallory from Miami, he's a name I've seen a lot, and he's a he's one of the faster tight ends. I think he ran the best forty time or, or close to it. So, Saints had a tight end from Miami once that was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, they did. But again, that was a third round pick. I'm okay with the third or fourth. I just don't want. Well, and, and Will Mallory is is I think projected to go much later, not a first round guy. So that's that's a name to keep an eye on as well if they want upside. But again. Yeah, they, if if they don't take a guy in the first, we're not going to see that guy for a while. Like that that player who's picked in the later rounds is not going to play over Jawan Johnson. Probably not going to play over Troutman, um, and certainly Taysom Hill. You know, takes some of those snaps as well in some of their formations. So um, that's not going to help you win right away unless it's one of those guys who you know. But again, you're right, and that's that's the book on tight end. They even, all said even, Pitts was going to make this. Oh, he's going to be an right. exception. He hasn't done anything in two seasons. Yeah, I mean in Travis Atlanta. Kelsey took some time that was not a draft plug and play which yes part of that's because he you know he didn't have like exactly the linear college career that you would expect but even Gronk took some time to get rolling with the wing tight ends so, yeah. a tough position it's tough, not a win position. now draft pick no it's not so I, I that's why I would lean away from that we'll take a timeout and be back this is footnotes on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana's sports station your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros you can call in and say Pete Rose deserves to be in the Baseball Hall of Fame you can call and proclaim that the Houston Astros were the only team that stole signs just know this foot will disagree with you call into footnotes with Kevin foot at three 3- 337-706-0111. Back to more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. I'm going to ask this question. What are the chances, what chances would you give that Z28 will never play for the Saints again? It's on the board. It's a possibility. Um, I'd say it's low. I would. I don't know. If I had to throw a number, I'd say around maybe a, maybe a 10 to 15% chance. Because I just think there's a chance if if this legal situation gets drawn out and gets uglier than it already is, which, I mean, who knows, but if that's the case, there might become a point where the Saints say, you know, especially if the draft goes a certain way and they have a guy that they might say this isn't worth the trouble and maybe see if they can get a package and get at least a couple of draft picks or something for him. I mean, that's that's a possibility, although I do think, as of now, it's more likely that he, that he plays. I don't think he's going to have much draft. I mean... 
Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Maybe you just try and get something out of it, but it's more of a decision where you're just ready to cut, you know, cut ties. But. I mean, I, I just don't know what you could get for him in a trade right now. Right. Especially if that if that suspension, if we get some more clarity and, and it's maybe more than what we think, more than six games, I don't know how many teams are going to be willing to take that on. But you might get something for him. I mean, people still believe in the talent. Um, the running back from Alabama, a lot of people compare to him skill set-wise. I've seen that people predict that the Saints are going to pick him in the first round. That would be hard for me to believe. I think he's a second round. I think I think 40 is the perfect spot to get him, to be honest. But, yeah, I could see the Saints picking him in the second round. I could see that happening. I, I, I don't know. It's possible that we're fooling ourselves with all this running back talk. I'm not just talking about the Saints. I'm talking about, like, To me, one of the most fascinating things about this NFL draft is where is is Bajon Robinson going to go? Because, like, I understand that we we have all convinced ourselves that running backs are not important and that they're a dime a dozen and, you know, you can't afford to pick one in the first round and all that. I mean, I get it, and I understand that recent history tends to support that mindset in, in most cases. But everyone is saying that Bashan Robinson is unique and special. So if you were a Bears fan right now, and I know this sounds crazy to some, but when you're picking at nine, if you're a Bears fan, why would you not pick Bashan Robinson? Yeah, no, I mean, well, I guess the argument there would be Khalil Herbert's emergence and, and – I don't, but yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense because they just they got you know Dave Montgomery walked, and so they've got some some snaps, some touches available in their offense, and he is a guy from all indications that does more than just run the football, and that's I think that's what you need if you're going to be a first round draft pick in the NFL right now as a running back, you know, like like Reggie Bush, I don't think would have been a first round pick in today's NFL, right? Because he he had a he was great at what he did, but he did one thing. He wasn't a great pass protector when he came out of college, and he he got better at those things as the time went on. But he wasn't a downhill runner. Obviously, he's the opposite of that. But now, if you can be a guy who can run the football, catch a ball out of the backfield, pick and up block. blitzes, and he yeah. su- he supposedly does all those things really right. well. And, and so that's what makes you a first round pick. So I do think Robinson goes in the first round. I do, but I don't think he goes in the top ten. Whereas ten years ago, he's probably a top ten pick. If you're the Eagles at twelve, why don't you pick him? There's an argument there as well, and that's that will be interesting to see. If does somebody go up to get him, and does somebody up there take him? Does somebody, you know, f- again, it all comes down to how that specific front office values him and where they have him compared to other guys. So, is Austin Eckler? Could you not see him get traded on well, draft day? He requested day? a trade, right? So that's that's certainly in the mix. Why wouldn't the Chargers pick him then at 21? It's definitely possible. You know, and I understand everyone's saying Cowboys, and I get it. But uh, to me, the Bears and the Eagles and the chart, and a lot of people think the Lions, too, because they have two picks. Yeah, but the Lions have Swift and, and then have made some signings as well. Then yeah, but how long Montgomery. is Swift going to be there? Yeah, that's fair. Same with Dallas, though. I, I don't know. I see a team that doesn't have a workhorse guy getting him, but I Dallas guess, doesn't have a workhorse guy. Yeah, but Pollard has shown he can be that. He can be close to it. I don't know. I don't I don't. Cons- you know, he's good. I don't know. So I don't think he's going to get to the Saints. If he does, 
I, I, I would be upset if they didn't pick him. But I, I, I think I think they would. And I'm wondering how tempted they would be to trade up to get him. A lot of that may have to do with, with 41 situation. One hour down, another to follow. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. We are broadcasting live from the EVCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. EVCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction simulcasts on stadium 32.3, 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 337 706-0111. 706-0111. We've been dealing with a lot of midweek games. On the Cajun side, no midweek games this week. Next week, the softball team goes to McNeese. LSU, however, does play. Well, LSU plays actually two midweek games technically. LSU will play Grambling tonight. You know, I don't know what the deal is. With I was surprised right when I first heard it. It had been over 20 years since when the Cajuns played McNeese two weeks ago. That I mean, when the Cajuns played Grambling two weeks ago, that the, since the Cajuns had played Grambling in baseball. That's amazing because all the state teams play each other so much, and it makes sense why. I want to, I mean, Grambling, I remember that one time a long time ago when LSU actually went to Grambling and played in baseball. That's one thing that Skip always did a great job of doing. Um, But, man, Grambling was, like, the Cajuns blew them out and didn't even need to get any base hits. They just got on base and just stole every base. I mean, it was just stole, stole, stole. I don't know. Gets to be a little too much. But, anyway, so LSU plays tonight against Grambling. I guess well, I don't know what the weather's like over there. It it's uh, not it wasn't too pretty over here last night or this morning here anyway. And then LSU plays one of those. It it's the only time that we really hear about it in these parts is um, around Easter time. But in the SEC, it happens more than just at Easter, where you play Thursday, Friday, Saturday. LSU will play Tennessee at home. A great series. Lots of Social media trash talk around Tennessee baseball. Man, is this, is Tennessee baseball like the most polarizing non-football team other than like maybe Duke? I guess a lot of people you either hate or like a lot of people don't like Tennessee baseball. Yeah, they kind of tried to embrace the... uh the villain role last year. They kind of like the Memphis Grizzlies, right? They haven't necessarily really done anything yet. They've won a lot of regular season games and yeah. gotten some high rankings, but they haven't made Omaha appearances and won College World Series or anything, but they sure tried to play the villain role, and and maybe that costed them a little bit last week. How about the Cajuns just go ahead and not schedule midweek games a week that the weather's terrible? Good job for them. Pure, yeah. pure luck works out like that, and they don't have to worry about trying to reschedule games, so that worked out. But with the artificial turf, it's not as big a deal. Right. It has to be really bad for them to rain out. But anyway, LSU will play 7 o'clock Thursday against Tennessee, 6 o'clock Friday, 1 o'clock Saturday. I, uh, I just hope Drew Gilbert is as good as 
the Astros' new GM thinks he is because he is sold on Drew Gilbert. And look, I'll take it. Chris Burke was a first-round pick the Astros had out of Tennessee. He had the famous home run to end that epic, whatever that was, 18-19 inning game against the Braves to go to the to the uh, NLCS in 05, but it was, um, other than that, that uh, I'm, I'm hoping Drew Gilbert is good. We'll, we'll, we'll see how it works out, but man, that is, that's a game that they probably, uh, like, why did they schedule that game? I don't know. Anyway, not, shouldn't be a pretty sight if they play tonight. Again, the game hotline is, um, Seven zero six zero one one one. Let's go to the hotline. Hello. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning, Kevin. Can we talk some Major League Baseball? Oh, absolutely. Kevin, you know, I was uh, we had our fantasy draft this past weekend. You know, and I've been doing my little homework. But you know, I started looking. Oh man, all the uh, the 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 rotations and all of your teams in your division, man, they all gotten pretty good, Kevin. I've been what, trying to uh, tell Kevin, people that. Yes, we got they guys. There's a lot of talent in the Astros division right now. It's amazing. Hey, Seattle, look. Let me tell you what. That Kirby kid. I think he's going to be better. He's going to be the best pitcher they got. And, and Gilbert is good. Ca- uh, Castillo and Gilbert on there too. Yes. No. I'm telling y'all. The, the if the Mariners the Mariners bullpen was not was had a down year last year. If the Mariners bullpen can pitch like it did two years ago, they're going to win 95 games. I'm telling you, y'all, the Mariners are talented, really talented. Oh, yes, they are. But look, how about the Angels' rotation? What do you think of that? I don't think it's too bad. I mean, I think they got an uptick with uh, with uh, getting Anderson, and I think that that, that Dickers, the Reed Dickers, I think they said he's got some uh, uptick on his velocity. He's been looking real good, too. Again, it just never happens for them. <laughs> I don't know. I can't explain it. It just never happens for them. I don't like their bullpen situation is another thing I don't like about them. I still, you know, would think I would pick them fourth, but I'm telling you, the Rangers have spent a lot of money, got a lot of good players. Now, DeGrom has to pitch. We all understand that. But Martin Perez was a Cy Young candidate about 60% through the season last year and was an all-star, and he was their ace. He's like their number three or four starter now. I know, I know, but look, I just—I really do think the Seattle is a team that's on on the rise. I mean, I you know I think they'll you know I think the Astros will win this division, but oh, the, the Mariners look like they're going to make a wild card, Kevin. I mean, they are—I think they're better than any team in the, the Central Division. Oh yeah, and I—I I mean, it wouldn't shock me if they're better. It wouldn't shock me at the end of the season if the Astros and the Mariners are the two best teams in the American League. Now, I'm not saying I'm. I'm guaranteeing it, but it would not shock me. No, I think the Mariners are really good. I believe so. Who do you think uh, would be the leading candidate for rookie of the year in the American League? Do you think that big first baseman from Boston might be that guy? Well, they're really high on him. Obviously, I've never seen him play. They 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 love him for sure. No question, they love him. Um, uh, you know, a lot of people are high on the third baseman for the Orioles, Henderson. Yes. Uh, a lot of people are high on him, so he would be one of the top candidates, I would think, as well. How about that? Uh, and then nationally, I think that boy from Arizona is supposed to be the one, that uh, Carroll kid. Yeah, I just. Now, we're more in an 
excuse me, we're more in an era where speed is going to, or they're trying to make speed matter more. So, you know, a couple years ago, I don't know how much it would have happened, but now, you know, if if they really are successful with all these rule changes and, and, and making speed matter more, you know, it should fit into his wheelhouse a little bit. Well, I tell you what, if there, that, it, there is going to be an uptick on stolen bases, that's going to make Rodriguez even more dangerous in Seattle because that, that kid is fast. You know, I don't know how much stolen base he had last year, but he was up there with the leaders. So, uh, look, I know, I know we, don't, Hannah, we don't talk to Hannah too much no more, but let me tell you what, her team is looking good, Kevin. I mean, I think oh, it, I, them and Astros are going to be the best teams in the American League. I think it's possible, yes, sir. Have a good one. Take care. You know, it was funny last year when people just turned their nose up at Seattle. You know, from the nat, you know, the the national. All that matters is the Yankees, Red Sox. You know, baseball crowd, which is like the majority of the national people, it seems. But uh, no, I I know how good Seattle is, and again, it, it's rough because it's kind of like it kind of like goes back to our um, our debate about Mike Trout. It's hard for me to put Mike Trout up on that pedestal because he's been in my division for a decade, and and he's never done anything. I mean, he's just never done anything of any consequence in a whole decade against me. And so it's hard for me to build that guy up uh, like the national people do. And on the flip side, the Astros have owned the Mariners forever, it seems like. Again, even when the Astros were really bad, there was always one team you could count on beating, and it was the Mariners. And even when the Mariners got good, better, like they are now, the Astros always seem to get the last lap. They always, they just kind of own the Mariners. And this that last year's series was, a, I know the Astros swept, but they really could have lost two or three or all three of those games. Like easily, like easily could have lost all three. And so um no, I, I I think I think they're really good. And it's easy, you know, I don't hate them because I've owned them forever, but I certainly respect their talent level. And I think that I think they saw in that series last year that they could beat the Astros. So I think in a strange way they came away with that series with some confidence that they really aren't that far away. Uh, so no, they are very dangerous, no question. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Yeah, I told my daughter. I said at least by the time you get fifteen, I said you're gonna enjoy it, baby. I said I'm taking you to a Mike Trout game. Trust me, I'm bringing you. You're going to enjoy that experience. I told oh, her that. Yeah. It's one of the best experiences of your life. Before you go, I told her, before I go, we're going to see Mike Trout. Well, it, you know, if you if you just – if it's a hot day and just get at the right angle, you could get some wind from when he swings and misses and strikes out. You get you, you could, His swing could serve as like a fan for you. Like a fan. I think I was – I think I'm crazy. Yeah. Kevin, you know, for real, you know, we all pick on you and everything, you know, but you you really are a sick man, Kevin. <laughs> You're a sick man. You're a sick. Leave Mike Trout alone, Kevin. What I did, and I Mike feel Trout? bad because I don't hate him. I think he's a good guy. He has never <laughs> shown me anything. He's not like a hot dog like Albert Pujols is, but he can't hit like Albert Pujols either. <laughs> he 
he's not a hot dog. Then why have a pool is a hot dog? Oh, that guy he sits there and admires his home runs. That cat reads a book when he hits a home run before he starts running. <laughs> nah, Kevin, I want you to explain to me and the listening audience one more time, one more time before the season really gets cranked up. But when the pitch is going crazy, Kevin, as a batter, what you supposed to do? When what? When the pitcher is going crazy. He can't get you out. No way in hell he can get you out. As a batter, what you supposed to do? Stand there. <laughs> just stand there. There are times in the game all I need you to do is just stand there and look pretty. That's all I need. <laughs> well, oh, okay, now it's pretty. Before you didn't say pretty, you just stand there and look like a fool. Just stand there. <laughs> <laughs> either way, either way Bye. works. All right. That <laughs> don't drive you crazy, Dawson, when the pitcher's all over the place and you swing at a ball. Just stand there. That does drive me crazy. I will agree with you on I that. I just need you to stand there, especially when you have an umpire with a tight strike zone. Like last night, I mean, some part. I don't know. What's the purpose of even having a tight strike zone in a spring training game between a major league team and a triple league team? I don't even understand the purpose of it. But anyway, the guy last night had a tight strike zone. Crazy. Um, no, we later, you know, tomorrow, the next day, we'll be talking more about Major League Baseball because Thursday's opening day. And uh, no, I, I think, I'm telling you, I think the Rangers are good. I think the Mariners are really good. The Astros, if their pitching wasn't so good and their hitting wasn't potentially better, I'd be more worried. It's a hammock season, so I'm not really going to be worried. But I'd be more worried from a pure baseball standpoint if the Astros, you know, didn't look so good on paper right now and they didn't have so much pitching. Man, this guy, they – They've got this pitcher that pitched started last night's game. <laughs> he looks all incredible. Like they've got another young pitcher that looks like he's going to be incredible. Um, I don't know. They just keep having pitchers. It's unbelievable. I love it. it, it it's sometimes I just have to pinch myself. Like what's going on here? But I, I love it. We'll take a timeout and be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You know the routine. Eat, drink, sleep, and sports. All day, every day. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. If you would like to get in the game hotline, 706-0111, We've talked about the Pels in the NBA. We talked a little bit of college baseball, but not a great deal. We will be talking Cajun softball with our friend Bobby Nova, not in this segment, but the next one. We talked mostly a lot about the draft and Things going on with the Saints and trying to figure out the Bajan Robinson situation. I um, there's a lot of reason to believe 
man, this draft could be blockbuster stuff. I mean, there could be really, I know I'm a draft guy, but like there could be some serious, dramatic, historic moments. Like Lamar Jackson could get traded on draft day. Pretty. It's, it doesn't take much of an imagination at all for that to happen or right before draft day. And think about the moment. Like, I don't know what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers. Like, we all are pretty convinced he's going to the Jets, but when I'm talking about. But can you imagine the comments that are going to be made and the smirks and the moment of just, because you could just see it happening. Can't you? I mean, you can tell there's some pettiness building between the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. And I can just see it happening. In the first round, the Packers are going to draft a wide receiver. You just, they have to. Like, it's just too perfect. They, they're going to draft a wide receiver in the first round the year that he's on his way out of town when he's been trying to get him to do You could Can't you just see that happening? They're going to do it. That would be awesome. There's awesome. just, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty. I did, we did have a question come in. Somebody wants to know if you, uh, if you think anything about Clayton Toon from Houston. I know we saw him play against Cajuns in the bowl game. I mean, he's... I mean, he's. I think he was a good college quarterback. I want no part of him. Yeah, I would. I would. I would. I would agree. That. Yeah. I mean, he's a he's a project guy. He could, he could be a valuable backup down the road. I think, but you know, and even deal. I I I, I just the wide receiver. I don't. I don't like tiny receivers like that. I, I don't. I wouldn't want him either. You know, it surprises me that you're a draft guy. If I if I knew everything else I knew about you but didn't know how you felt about the draft, I would think you'd be like, ah, I don't watch that. I just, you know, tell me who we got and then maybe I'll figure it out. Oh, no, I love the draft. <laughs> I, I've learned that, but I just. <laughs> Why don't you like the draft? I do like the draft. I just, it's hard for me to get, there's, it's just a hope game. Like, everybody's going to go away from the draft being like, Oh yeah, we got it. We got this guy, or like, oh no, we got this guy, and then you don't find out for six months if he's any good. So that part frustrates me. But I do. I like the theater of it, and I like finding out who the number one pick is and and who your team's gonna get. So I like it. It's just not my favorite event. Oh, I love the draft. Um, the funny I, one is the MLB draft, where you really go, oh yeah, we got this guy. Call yeah. me in five years when he's in the majors. Yeah, that the NF, the MLB draft is different. I don't love the MLB yeah. draft. No, I have watched it a few times. Don't tell. I'm, it's not like I've never mm-hmm. watched it. But the MLB because there's a very good chance that that guy, even if he's good, will not ever even play for you. Like you might trade him two years from now, and there's a pretty good chance that's going to happen. So the MLB draft is a totally different animal. But no, the NFL. I mean, it's so fascinating. Like last night, right before I went to bed, I was flipping like I do sometimes. And there was the, and I've seen it before, the um, the NFL ESPN special on the 83 draft. And every, you know, watching Marino drop all that. And you're like, why didn't these guys just pick them? Like, what were they thinking? And so I just think it goes into... Like, my wife and Cassie, my daughter, and Michelle, my wife, they're big Bronco fans. They don't care anything about the draft. And what I try to tell you, you're missing out on, like, 
like the history behind. Like I could still, whenever you see a player of of the team that you're passionate about, like you remember that moment when they drafted him. I don't know. It's just, or they didn't draft this guy. I mean, it's just part of understanding the fabric of your team to me. It's such a such a big part of being a fan to me. It's a good way to put it. It's a good I, way to put it. Again, I, just, I watch it. I just it. love I don't the NFL not like draft. It. Yeah. And I think the NFL draft's obviously the best of the three, even the NBA draft. Because with the NBA draft, I mean, if you don't have a guy in the top ten, yeah, maybe you pick Giannis once every blue moon, but you got a good chance that you're, again, you're not going to pick a good player, even if you're in the first round. So that is cool, too, to see. You know, I mean, the Saints, when the Saints took Alvin Kamara, like there's just so many guys, too. There's so many guys that you're going to see across the ticker and go, oh, okay, this guy, this team picked that guy and not think about it, and that player is going to become a Pro Bowl, All-Pro type guy. And that's cool to think, too. Like, again, when the Saints took Kamara, when, I mean, so many guys. Of course, Tom Brady, arguably the greatest quarterback of all time, was was an afterthought in the draft. So, you know, that that part of it, I think, is also awesome. And then you also have the first-round drama of the guys that are in the draft room as well. I don't know how you feel about the guys who show up versus not showing up and and the uh, the drama that involves that. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I listen to those interviews. I don't really care about all that I figured part. That. But, but I, I just like just the thought process of what goes into it and the memory. Like, I mean, just you know, and, and, and sitting there and hoping you get someone. Like, it was agonizing a few years ago. Wanted Murray, the linebacker from, and and and, and it was there. It was there. It was there. And then the Chargers right before they they, they pick him. Oh, it's just. And then you don't ever know. Like, I remember the year that they got Ramchek. We were all, all wanted this linebacker from uh, Alabama. You know, most of the Saints fans, that's what they wanted. Linebacker from Alabama. And then they picked Ramchek, and they were like, who? And then Ramchek's been great. And that guy, don't, you don't even play in the league two years later, you know? That's the kind of stuff I just think it's great fun. And it's just, I don't know. It. it I think it's the history side of me that it fits in there. I understand why you would think that I wouldn't like it in a lot of other ways, but it to me it's a the history side of me, which you know I think that's the most fascinating part of of sports that that I get it. I mean, if I hadn't been following it for all these years, and I it's not something I would start up right now, but I don't know. I just. I covered the draft for for when I was covering the Saints, all going back to the to the eighties, you know. And I don't know, I just love the draft, and, and I think it's just fascinating the way that it works. So we'll see what what happens. One thing that it hit me the other day that you and I, I don't know that you and I have discussed this, and we made a we made a vow that we weren't going to even discuss it on this show until it happens. And a friend of mine brought it up in a text group the other day, and I'm like, no, we're not We're not even going to discuss it. And that's what happens because we don't really know what it is. Like there, 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 there are certain times when an NFL team, like they hold, let's say they hold a 29 pick or whatever pick, and they do something, some sort of transaction, and then they end up picking later than they – I don't really know how that works. Like, you don't pick sooner than you're supposed to pick. You pick later than you're supposed to pick. I don't really know what that is. 
Yeah, like, I'm not exactly The Saints following. never, like, I don't know that. I've never really experienced that. So I don't even know what it's called, really. Yeah. And, and we're not ever going to discuss it because it's not going to happen. It's a directional like, it's thing. It's never going to happen. Yeah, it's a, it's a directional thing, right? So we don't, you, yeah. we don't, we just don't even discuss it. Right. It's never going to happen. Um, but no, I just saw a mock draft a while ago where, and again, we all know that mock drafts are just guesses and ill-informed guesses most of the time, but it just teases you. They had Nolan Smith picked by the Bills at 27. That could be another trade-up scenario. for If he gets that far. Yeah, I, I saw one that where Nolan Smith was at 29 to the Saints, and then in the same mock draft, Maisie Smith fell to the third round of the Saints. So, again, that's also that's make that's mock draft stuff. I don't know how you know, possible any of that is, but, you know, it's simulators using the rankings and kind of having some sort of knowledge of what those teams are interested in doing. So, I mean, could you imagine Nolan Smith? And then, so then that draft, the way the Saints went, would have been Nolan Smith, Jameer Gibbs, and Maisie Smith in the first three rounds. Man. If that happens, um, my giddiness on that neck, that Monday will be a little too much. Like, I don't know if I can handle it. Like, I don't know if our, our friend Nick could handle it either. Like, our minds might just explode, right? Like, really, that would I, that 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 would just I, I just I we, we I don't need to think about that anytime soon. I, I don't think that's gonna happen. But um, no, but um, because they've picked up all these safeties, I'm probably not as enamored with the safety um, from A and M, but I still kind of am. I kind of I kind of like him, so we'll see. I, again, we're now. I thought we were a month away. You're telling me we're less than a month away, one day less than a month away. So a month can go by pretty quick. So uh, we're looking forward to that for sure. We will take a timeout, come back, shift gears a little bit. Although I might ask him about Saints and the NFL draft as well. With our friend Bobby Nova next. Stay tuned. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot. we have with us our good friend, Mr. Bobby Nova. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. How are you this morning? Oh, you know, I'm I, I, I'm hanging in there. We've been talking about um, the, the draft. Have you developed any, I hope the Saints pick this or no? Not really. I, I haven't really, uh, haven't really looked at that a whole lot. How about a position? A position? Yeah. Well, you know, I think they, you know, it looks like they've addressed some needs in, in, in free agency. So, you know, maybe just best player available that can help them, you know, at whatever positions they need help at. I, like I said, I really haven't uh, followed it that, that closely. If Bajon Robinson is there and they don't pick him, what would your reaction be? Well, I would be I would be very 
disappointed because I know I would have to deal with you. <laughs> That's a good answer. I like that. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of get normally in most drafts, there are two or three guys that I really kind of fall in love with. I mean, oh, man, just. Just don't, just, just don't, just don't. Gonna, I don't think we're going to have to be uh, worried about that. Yeah, I think he's going to go sooner. Yeah, I think he's going to go sooner. You're right. All right. So we've been saying all year long, the one thing that's been amazing about this team with all the ups and downs is that they don't have any bad losses. Well, they have a bad loss now. So how, how do you think? They're going to deal with that because there's no midweek games this week and you and you get like four or five days to just stew over that loss. Yeah, sometimes, you know, it's a good thing to not have a midweek game. But when you lose that third game on, you know, on Sunday, you probably would like to have a midweek game uh, before the, the following. And then, you know, it's going to be a long trip to Virginia. Never been there before. Uh, going to play a team that's that's – you know, they've won seven in a row, and uh, so um, it's going to be interesting to see how this team reacts and responds to, to that loss on Sunday. And You know, they can go over to uh, James Madison and have a good weekend, and that loss won't sting quite so much, I don't think. I agree. Now, we discussed this in years past, and we discussed it a few times last year, and it's not something – we really even talk about Harley at all. I don't think it means anything at all to the players other than they don't want to have to discuss it. Um, is this streak that they are on with, with the Sun Belt? The problem is when you have teams like James Madison who have, you know, they when that long ago they were in the Women's College World Series, so they've had a level of success. So you like, I think that being able to beat a team that does it kind of is a motivating factor for them. So how do you how do you think that could uh, be handled this weekend in Virginia between the two teams? Well, Kevin, first I don't know how much they they even talk about the streak because you know obviously I'm not in the locker room and I'm not involved with the uh, you know the pregame meetings and the postgame meetings and so you know. I, I do spend some time in the office, you know, and, and working on some different projects. And uh, it's not something that I ever really hear them talking about a whole bunch in the office. And I'm not so sure that some of these, you know, some of these freshmen, I don't, you know, I guess they're aware of it, but they've only been involved in two two of those 75 uh, series, you know. And yeah. I, I don't know if, if that makes sense to you. So I don't know if it's as big a deal to the players uh, as it is to guys like us, you know. They get oh, to talk I, about I don't it on think, the radio and write about it in the newspaper, you know. I don't think it means anything to the players. I don't think they ever discuss it other than when somebody brings it up to them. And I don't think in and of itself it means anything to Coach Glasgow. But, but my point is I think it means something to these teams, on uh, these other Sunbelt teams that want to break it. Like I just think it provides yeah, a, little extra, a little extra incentive for them. Yes, yes. You know, they, they'll be. You know, that's a that's a feather in their cap to be able to say they they broke that streak. You know, right. and uh, unfortunately, that streak is going to come to an end one day. Hopefully, it's later than sooner. And the only way that streak can come to an end is if you lose 
two or two of three on a weekend or three of three, and you certainly don't want to do that. So I guess, you know, that's that's the main thing about keeping the streak on because you don't want to lose two or three or three of three on a weekend. All if right. That makes sense. No, absolutely. All right. So Coach Jerry Glasgow had his weekly presser yesterday and – you know, I I think I think he's in a tough spot. I think he's got some, him and the coaching staff have some big decisions to make. To me, the thing that's complicated is if I go back to the beginning of the season as a as a follower of the program and say, okay, I'm going to put. We talked about offensive lineups and defensive lineups because in January there was a lot of talk about defense. The thing to me that complicates it is the the, the quote-unquote offensive lineup that I would have created for most of the beginning of the season. A lot of those girls are not very – are not hitting very well right now. And so I just think it's not quite as clear-cut as everybody thinks. And so, like, how do you kind of rationalize all that in your mind? Well, you know, like you said, the, the, the offense the, – the one bright spot, Kevin, when I look at, at, at you know – the season, we're only striking out uh, right around three times a game. And to me, that's a, that's a good sign that, you know, maybe the offense is going to get going like we, we all thought it would earlier in the year. And, you know, the, the, the girls are putting the ball in play. They're just not having a whole lot of success right now. And uh, hopefully that's something that's going to change as the, uh, as the season progresses. And uh, like I said, to me, that's a, you know, I, I don't even know. You may not even agree with that, but the fact that we don't strike out, and it was the same thing last year. You know, we we almost had as many walks as we had strikeouts, and this year it, it looks like it's the same thing. And to me, that's a, a little bit. It gives me some some encouragement. You know, to to believe that uh, we have a chance that for the offense to come around here pretty soon, and, and you know, maybe that's just just hope. You know, but. That's just the way I feel. All right. So he he basically said in his mind, it's got the first thing that's got to be decided is what to do with shortstop. If you were the king, and um, you know, we know that you're closer to being the king than me on this set, but but you're not the king. But if you were the king, uh, who would you start at shortstop from here on out? Man, you you put me in a tough spot. <laughs> but if I were the king, um, I would probably, and this is not going to happen. I know for a fact this is not going to happen. I would probably slide Alexa Langlis back over the shortstop and just leave her there. But that's, you know, if I was the king, which I'm nowhere closer to being than you are. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you know, but it's a fascinating thing because that was something else that Coach Glasgow brought up yesterday. And I brought this up, uh, I want to say, last week when we talked to him. One thing that's so t- tough, especially with a young team, is when you change positions around, you never know how that's going to affect that player's offensive game. And, right. You don't know how it's going to affect them mentally. Right. And uh, especially the younger, the younger kids, you know. And Alexa hit a lot better last year when she was playing shortstop than this year when she played second. Now, that could be that the schedule this year has been brutal. I mean, that, you know, that has, you're facing a lot more 
she's faced a lot more um, top 25 hit pitching staffs now than she did last year. Now, you say, well, she they weren't facing a top 25 pitching staff this weekend. Yeah, but once you sometimes you get in a it puts you in a funk and it's it takes longer to get out of that funk. So yeah. I, I I think I, I think it's not as easy as what some people think is my whole point. And I think you know, I think they're pitching her different this year, obviously, because she had such a good year last year as a freshman and uh she's had some tough luck, you know. She's 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 put She's put some balls in play and, and had some balls, you know, like some a lot of line drives to the outfield that, you know, if those balls were in the gaps, they'd have been hits. And But, you know, she walks a lot. She's, I think she's got 22 walks and um, she's been hit two or three times. And her own base percentage is over 400. And I know you and I talked a little bit about that yesterday. And uh, we do need her to, 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 you know, to drive some runs in, but, uh, you know, she gets on base and she scores runs, and uh, she she does bring. Even though she's not hitting, she brings some things to the to the offense. You know that maybe the uh, the casual fan just might not see on a daily basis. You know. All right. So the am I did I see it correctly? Friday's game is at one o'clock. That is correct. I think so, it's one central, if I'm not mistaken. So when are y'all leaving? The Friday. We leave in, we leave Thursday Thursday morning and uh, we play early on Friday and early on Saturday. I think Saturday's game is even earlier than that. I think I think Saturday's game is a 11 a.m. Central, but I'd have to look at the schedule. And then on Sunday, and and, and this is all because, from what I understand, is because of uh, they have a home baseball series also, and it's an ESPN Plus thing. Is is what kind of what I've been told and what I've read. So they want to try to get all, maybe try to get all the baseball games and all the softball games on ESPN Plus. Maybe I, you know that's kind of what I've heard. So uh, we play, I think, at three o'clock Central on Sunday. Wow! But the Friday and Saturday games are early games. Wow. Well, it'll be an interesting trip. I'm sure um, they're going to be fired up. They've been winning some games lately, so it's going to be lots and lots of fun. Uh, Y'all have a safe trip and be back. Thank you for your time as always, sir. You ready ready for uh, Major League Baseball, I'm sure. Oh, I'm very ready. Very ready. You You didn't even ask me about Anthony Volpe. I can't. I thought that was going to be the first question you were going to ask. Are you excited? Oh, I'm excited. The kid's good, man. I've watched him play some, some in some spring training games, and uh, I used to, you know, he won the job, and so he gets a chance. And you know what I heard yet? I don't know how much time you have. Yesterday on the on the broadcast, uh, Michael Case said there's a new rule: if 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 a if a rookie starts the season on the opening day roster, and he wins Rookie of the Year, and a couple of other things he mentioned. The team gets an extra uh, draft pick at the end of the first round. What? You, you need to look that up. So, so now they have, you know, they have that incentive of letting those rookies, you know, that. Oh, so they're trying to keep. They're, they're trying to stop teams from doing that clock stuff. That clock stuff. Yeah. From, for the uh, arbitration year. Yeah, yeah, I got so, you. No, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I got you yeah. now. Yeah. You might want to look that up. All right. So, and that's, you know, I'm sure that's one of the reasons 
that he's on the opening day roster. But the the best reason is because he's good. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. Appreciate it. All right, my friend. We'll Thank see you. you soon. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station than going to the dentist. Take that, dental hygiene. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. We just have a few minutes left as we, uh, I don't know what the weather, the weather wasn't pretty when I was walking in. I don't know if it's gotten any better. So, obviously, it's a Tuesday. There's a lot of high school baseball, softball action planned. I don't know how much of it's going to really happen today. And then I don't know how it might impact Grambling tonight in Baton Rouge, how that's going to go. So, we'll keep an eye on the weather for sure. But it's just a little less jam-packed. I mean, again, the last two weeks, the Cajun baseball played on Tuesday and Wednesday. So, this kind of opens it up a little bit. We are going to have what? Um, a UL football spring practice today and Thursday. And then a week from Thursday is the spring game or whatever it's going to be. I mean, I don't. When we spoke to Coach Dez last week, I don't think they even had it straight. Like, how are they even going to do it with the quarterback situation? You know so. what I'm getting worried about? It's like, because they're not going to say it in the moment, but last year, you know. We heard later on, oh, you know, the spring we didn't have any linemen and, and, you know, moving into the fall we just – we didn't get any near the reps. We didn't have anything like that. And I'm, I'm wondering if we're going to hear something along the lines of, yeah, back in the spring when we didn't have any quarterbacks, I mean, that really set us back because we didn't get to do the things we wanted to do. Like right now they're not going to say that because right. you know, they have to be positive. But I'm just hoping that that's not what we hear if, if things start to go downhill at some point in the season or even just leading into the season them go – yeah, look, we didn't get enough reps at quarterback, and, and we, we didn't get to do the things we wanted to do in the spring. I'm hoping that that doesn't affect I don't them. really – I don't – I mean, I don't know. We're all guessing. But I don't really think that it will impact the quarterbacks as much as maybe the wide receivers and or, like, the, the relationship or the, you know, connecting between the quarterbacks and the receivers. I think that could be uh, an issue that could – because, look, the wide receivers – or a um, a big part, a big question mark. Like, we think Lance Lejeune is going to become, like, this number one wide receiver, and maybe he will. But he still has had so little experience at wide receiver that that's not an All-American lock. Um, it's good to have a veteran like Peter LeBlanc who's played all the different positions, um, but, you know, I don't know that he's going to hit some incredibly high ceiling this year that he's never hit in any of his other years here. Um, they're really high on Bernard. He's kind of a, you know, a possession receiver, and they like him. We They think Charles Robinson. You heard Tim Leger talk about that on, on Friday when we had Tim on. And... um but, again, he's still a redshirt freshman. You don't know what you're going to get out of him. 
I, I, I still am thinking and hoping that the safety blanket to all of this is the tight end position. You don't like tight ends, do you? Yeah, I do. No, I do. I just, I'm just I, you don't see a lot of college teams outside of the Big Ten just focus on don't tight ends. I understand why not. Yeah. It's so I mean, easy to complete passes to tight ends who know how to run routes and have hands. Yeah, you know what? I'm just glad that we're past the point where Neil Johnson and Lance Lejeune were wearing the same number, and I didn't know who was who, and they were having different catches in the box score be mixed yes. up. We got two different numbers to start the year. We don't have any worries. I know who Neil Johnson is, and I know who Lance Lejeune is, and I'm, I can move forward with that. I'm pr- and guess who's, who else is wearing nine now? Who's that? Mason Norsey's. Okay. He was wearing 90, so now he's Well, he's a big 90. guy. We won't confuse them. There's no <laughs> doubt there. But uh, I did a feature story on him over the weekend, and um, I, I think he could be one of the impact players that hardly no Cajun fan or media members are talking to him. I'm not saying they never talk about him, but you know, he it was easy to forget about him because he was playing behind Zion the last couple of years. But... I think he could be the the impact player that we haven't discussed a whole lot. We'll see how that plays out. It's only this spring. Got a long way to go. Y'all have a nice day.